following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship, St. Pete, in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Heavenly Father, good morning again. Praise your holy name. Uh, we come before you this morning and we just ask God uh, to have your way in this place. Uh, we ask that you would uh, inspire us, uh, draw us closer to you, please. Um, God, you are our creator, you are our redeemer, you are our provider, you are everything. And may we never forget that. Uh, Lord, lead us and guide us, please, to be more like Christ. May our willingness to shine your light uh, be more evident than ever before. May we be bold and unafraid. Uh, I lift up the prayers from earlier for all those in need, uh, the healing, the strength, the endurance for Fred and Cindy, um, Beverly, uh, the covering of our senior saints. Lord, I continue those prayers, and I just ask you, God, to uh, speak to those who have needs that have not been articulated. You know their needs, God. Minister to those needs. Lord, and I pray for the families represented here, every single one. I pray that their relationship with you would be strengthened, that they would be encouraged by your word. And Lord, just speak through me, please, uh, your humble vessel. I know that I can't do it without you, and I trust you, and we just give you everything we have. Uh, Lord, this week, uh, just continue to bless marriages. Uh, we continue to pray for those who are struggling and suffering through uh, difficulties in Hawaii and California. I pray for the families in the path of this storm right now that you would put your protection around them, Lord. And we just look to you for all the answers, look to you for the strength that we need. Uh, and ultimately the peace that surpasses all understanding. We praise your holy name, Lord Jesus, for what you've done, and we just thank you for being so willing and such a great provider for your children. It's your name, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Okay, so we're going to start off with uh, reading Scripture, if you would, uh, and to show honor to our Lord. If you would, please, uh, if able, stand as we read uh, from today's uh, text. It's coming from the book of 2 Corinthians, starting in chapter 3, verse 12, going through chapter 4, 1 through 6. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who, put, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites may not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. And when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is God's word. You may be seated. Thank you. It's a lot. Man, it's really, really amazing uh, teaching he, the Lord just brought to me. I, I'm humbled. I, I can't tell you. Um, man, amazing. How are you? How's everything? Seriously, uh, I have to ask myself that daily because, uh, you know, uh, you can get, you can get, as soon as the floodgates open, right, you can, you can, uh, you can get swallowed up. And, uh, you know, what's amazing is Pastor Colin, uh, he's such energy. His love is so apparent. Um, and uh, not, I'm not trying to, like, overly puff him up. I'm just saying he's such a model for us, right? And, and then where does it come from? It trickles down from Jesus, right? And so we, we can be self-absorbed. We can get caught up. But uh, we just need to remember one thing. Never forget that the Lord is with you wherever you stand. Wherever you are, he's with you. He loves you. And uh, he's mindful of you. He cares for you. Um, and don't forget. Just don't forget that. Um, as I was praying uh, this week, uh, I came back to um, rem- being reminded of who God is, who God is. And I, and I just, uh, I want to always come back to that whenever I pray. I don't ever want to take my eyes off of the fact that He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He is our peace, Jehovah Shalom. He's our shepherd, Jehovah Ra, our righteousness, Jehovah's Sidkenu, Elohim, mighty God, most high God, Elion, El Shaddai, all sufficient, almighty God. It just blows me away that he would be mindful of me and you, that he cares for us. Are you kidding me? I have to ask myself that. I have to pinch myself. It's truly humbling. But at the same time, as I go through his word this week, it was really freeing. Uh, it was a challenge. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't quite clear until maybe Monday or Tuesday where he was leading this, 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 this message. And uh, it all came back down to one thing. Very simple. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Uh, if we want to be shine the light of God, the light of Jesus, we have to turn towards Him. And so I just uh, found this quote, and I put it in the in the slides, and it says, "Remember, if you want light in your life, you must stand in the sun." And that's so good. It's a little play on words, but it's so good. Um, I say um too much. Let's uh, let's go back to the context of this scripture. Uh, this is a second letter uh, from Paul to the Corinthians, and uh, essentially uh, he's uh, he's upset. Uh, the context is that there's uh, the Judaizers or these 
individuals who are, are basically teaching that the Jewish traditions must take, must take place first before you can become a Christian. And he is preaching against that. Uh, his visit to Corinth uh, has been, uh, previously has been, uh, wasn't, didn't go well. And so uh, he's reflecting back on that. Uh, and so we bring it forward. We bring it forward into the, the second, uh, or arguably the third letter uh, that he wrote, but the one that is in our Bible, the second letter to the Corinthians, where he is essentially expressing his concern and this, this notion of false messages. Uh, false teachers. And so he is very emphatic, uh, even though he's made it clear uh, in earlier verses that he didn't intend to go back because he had such a tough time, so much commotion there. False teachers undoubtedly will handle God's word in ways that are intended to deceive. And we see that in our current culture even today. Are they really reading the same Bible that you and I are reading? Are they studying it, meditating it, or are they trying to be slick and deceptive. We know that Satan will do everything in his power to keep unbelievers in the dark, and that he often uses religious teachers to fulfill the deceptions. Many people who belong to certain churches or even cults, sometimes we see that they came from gospel-preaching churches. Paul explains how the light of the gospel can show itself to each one of us despite the false teachers, and despite those deceptive practices. So let's get into the text now that we know a little bit about the context of why he was writing this letter, and then we're going to see this amazing comparison that he makes between the Old Testament, the example of Moses in the book of Exodus, and bring it forward. So we go to verses 12 and 13. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. And so the application point here, and this is part of the context of, of, the, of the book of uh, Corinthians, first and second, but no matter how hard we try to read our Bibles, to engage with Scripture in our own strength, we must sincerely turn to Christ in order for the Holy Spirit to allow us to see Jesus in all of the Bible. Not just the verses we like. Every bit of it. That's what blew me away this week. New Testament and the Old Testament. And Pastor has mentioned this before and he said that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And that is so true. And this week it was revealed to me like never before. You see, otherwise we're reading the Bible with a veil over our eyes and our hearts are blinded and the words uh, don't come alive until we have Christ. And see, in these verses 12 and 13 is when God causes His glory to pass through the cleft of the rock. That's what He's referring to back in the book of Exodus. And we're going to read that scripture in just a minute. Moses was in the tent of meeting. This is a sacred place where God would only meet with Moses or Aaron. And later it, was, it, it evolved into, as, it, as the tabernacle was built and the Holy of Holies was established and there was a separate holy place only for the high priests to go. But this is before that. 
And Moses is speaking earlier and he says, I want to see the glory of God. So let's go there. Exodus 33, 17 to 23. And I'm going to move through it to verse 18 where Moses says, please show me your glory. And keep that in mind as I'm reading that. Do we ask God that? Do we ask God to show us His glory every day? Or are we just going through the motions? In verse 20, he says, But he said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. This is the light of God. This is God speaking to Moses. And so we've jumped to Exodus 34, 29 to 35. And this is what Paul is talking about in the book, in the 2 Corinthians letter. He's speaking about Moses coming down with the Ten Commandments. And it says, in verse 33, I'll read from 33, and when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. And the reason for this is because his face was radiating. It's shown because he was talking to God and the light of God had shined through Moses. They were afraid. The people of Israel were afraid because his face was shining. Could you imagine? We had this great discussion this morning about whether or not our faces shine like that. Would we know? Do we assume it doesn't? Moses is clearly asking to see God's glory. And God is only willing to show Moses the backside of the glory because it's too much for him to take. He says this in verse, excuse me, chapter uh, 33. Moses catches only a glimpse of God's glory. And even with that, he was radiating. Through the cleft of the rock, through this crack in the rock is all he was able to see. And it still caused him to light up. But his desire to see it was there. It was evident. What's important for us to recognize here is as Moses is walking down and he's carrying the, the, the legal standards of God. He's bringing the legal standards with him. We come to realize that those standards are impossible to, to fulfill. And that the ministry, essentially the ministry that Moses is bringing down Mount Sinai was one of condemnation and death and separation. I mean, let's be honest, the, the Ten Commandments are essentially the moral law for every law that ever came from anywhere, right? All the way forward in history. Now, they've taken them in different directions, some that are crazy, but the truth of it is, is that's where it started. And the law, that law, that standard, God's standard could not be upheld. And that's why we need Jesus. It takes us to Paul and his explaining to the Corinthians that if Moses was charged with a ministry of death and separation, how much more glorious would it be? That old covenant between God and Moses, how much more glorious would the new covenant in Jesus Christ be? That is the essence of what Paul is saying. He's saying to a certain degree in, the, in verse 12, Moses wasn't bold enough. Imagine that. We're going to be more bold than he.
because he was also considering the fear of the Israelites and putting the veil over his face. Yet when we believe in Jesus as Lord, the new covenant is literally implanted in us. When we turn towards him, we have confidence toward our God, God the Father, and in his Son, Jesus Christ. As Paul wrote, we are bold and confident, unlike Moses, who hid the glory of God. We do not have to hide any longer because Jesus has taken the death sentence that we deserve. He took the death sentence which would be poured out on us when we come to stand before God and look at his face. Blows me away. I can only imagine, right? It comes to mind. But we can be confident in, 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 in holding on to the glory of God because we have confidence in the completed work of Christ on the cross, resurrected by God. That glory was veiled to the people of Israel, but yet we can see the glory of God revealed in the Word of God when we turn towards Him. This book is not just black and white or with some red letters. It is so much more than that. Do we take it for granted that we're just reading this book? And yes, studying it and meditating on it is absolutely, it's like, it's a relationship. It's a relational, this is not just reading a verse and going, I feel better. And believe me, I do that all the time. And maybe it's okay that I feel better, but it's a relationship when I open the Word of God and it's revealing to me who He is. It's it's incredible. Praise God. Jump to verse 14 and 15. 2 Corinthians 3. Speaking of the Israelites, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. It's incredible. It's incredible. We have to ask, why were people afraid of Moses' glowing face? Is it likely that their minds were hardened? Of course, it says they were... Right? Why? We're going to get to that. Did they really want to see his glory? Moses did. We know that their behavior right after that was in rebellion to God. When we read into the book of Exodus, the behavior, the, the, uh, the idols and constant rebellion... Paul is going to speak specifically that their eyes were blinded by by the enemy, by Satan. They can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God in 2 Corinthians 4, which we're going to get to. So we're kind of jumping ahead here. When we turn toward Christ, the veil is unlifted in the Old Testament and the New. And as I said, there's a veil over our Bibles too. It's not just our eyes and our hearts, our minds. It's the Bible too. It takes the Spirit of God for it to jump off the pages and come alive. And of course, it takes time for us to understand that. It's, it's, it's not something that just happens overnight. 
Many people today see the Bible as unreliable, mythical. I hear it at my school. Students questioning the reality, the reliability of the Bible. It's tragic is what it is. And in some cases, this tragedy can apply to us as believers too. Not so much that we think it's mythical, but we don't take the step to go beyond a baby Christian to somebody who's new in their faith and go deeper. And this is not to say that that walk isn't important, because it is. No matter where you are in your walk, I'm not being critical. What I'm saying is we've got to want to go deeper. Many believers will keep the veil over their Bibles as well because they only want to read the Scripture verses that make them feel better. But if we truly believe that every single bit of this Bible is pointing toward Jesus, then why would we not desire to read every single bit of it? Jesus is the answer. For unbelievers, the veil can only be lifted by the softening of our hearts and minds by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that you can do in your own strength. Hard for me to take that for a long time in my life. Certainly there's a discipline. Certainly there's a certain degree of diligence. But we must regularly seek to remove the veil that we put in place like Moses did. Paul says the veil can only be taken away by Jesus. In the old law, the task is for followers to do. Under the new covenant, the followers come to realize the task is done. I love that. It's finished. Past tense. Do we remember that? That the, the work was finished on the cross. And turn this into an Easter message. So application point to ask is how does the veil get removed from our Bibles for us to see the glory of God in Scripture? Well, I've kind of already gave us the, the answer. It's Jesus, right? It, it occurs when we repent of our sin, we turn to God, we recognize that we need a Savior. That's a big one. I don't need a Savior. He needs a Savior. Yes, we do. We all need Jesus. It is then that the veil is lifted from our eyes. The glory that Paul is referring to in Exodus is great, but for believers in Jesus, it's even greater. Praise God. We no longer need to be afraid like Moses because there's no fear, there's no condemnation because Jesus took it all. Amen. Another application point to ask as we're going through this this study is another, uh, when Moses went into the tent of meeting, why was the veil lifted because that's what happened. He walks in, he's got the veil on for the Israelites, and he, and he takes it off. Because it wasn't, it wasn't there to protect the radiance from Moses to the people. That's, it wasn't supposed to be there. The presence of God made it unnecessary to wear a veil in the tent of meeting. It was essentially defeated by the presence of God. You have to remember that Moses wanted to see the glory of God. He asked to see the glory of God in Exodus 33. And this is, you know, he didn't, he didn't want anything to come between him and God's glory. God granted Moses what he sought, even though it was only a little bit. So we jump to verse 16. It's small, it's short, it's concise. 
It's just, it couldn't be any more clear. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. He's talking about Christians now. He's talking about believers. Application for this is we need the presence of God to lift the veil over our hearts and our Bibles. I've said it a little bit already. Can't say it enough. It's only through Christ that the veil is taken away. We must figuratively go meet the glory of God in the tent. Where is your tent? Where do you meet with God? Do you, you know, do you know, do you realize that we don't really have the right to do it? But because of Jesus' righteousness that he imputed to us, gave us access to meet with God through the power of his blood. And if we want to experience his glory, we need to turn to God through Jesus Christ. And you know, and this is, this is a message that, it seems like common sense, right? But it's so essential. I needed to hear it. I needed to hear it again. And I'm like, wow, where the blind spots are. So essential. We need to believe in Jesus, trust the gospel, the good news, the great news. Jesus lived the perfect life, the one that we could not live. He died the death that we deserved under the wrath of God. It was poured onto him, every bit of it, past, present, and future sin. We have to believe that he was raised from the grave and he rose to a glorified life and he's seated at the right hand of God right now. He took away the sins of the world, past, present, and future. And I've shared this before and I can't say it enough. It's not temporary. It's forever. It's so important that we grasp that concept that if you have a stumble today, that it doesn't undo your salvation. The sincerity of your heart, the motives of your heart is what matters. God knows. When we believe the gospel story, the Holy Spirit becomes present in us as God was present with Moses in the tent of meeting. God will open your eyes to see His glory all throughout Scripture. And the veil over your eyes and over your Bibles can no longer stand over the presence of Jesus in your life. It will be lifted. We can come with confidence. We can come with boldness. Much more so than even Moses. Isn't that our desire? If we're honest, is that what our desire is? Ever, Especially uh, as we're going through the motions in life. We've got uh, a lot of activities. We've got family obligations. We've got work obligations. We've got financial things that we're dealing with and stresses and things of that nature. But we find freedom in this. When the veil is lifted, there's freedom. It doesn't make everything all sunshine and rainbows. That's not what I'm saying. But what it does say is that the glory of God will free us to walk in the Spirit of God and to radiate His light. To see His glory that others might see it through us. That you'll see it in His Word. Verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And this is a verse that I think is taken out of context many times. 
It's not really that we use it to abuse it, but sometimes we like the way it sounds because it can fit in multiple scenarios in our lives. Paul is talking about a specific type of freedom. He is making a bold comparison between the covenant of law to the covenant of grace. Do we recognize that? In his reference to Moses in the earlier verses till now, he's speaking to the church at Corinth and he's calling them to be the new ministers of this new covenant which brings life through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He's contrasting the Old Testament which can only bring death and separation because it's impossible for anyone to perfectly fulfill the law. The new covenant brings life because Jesus fulfilled the law for us and gave us his spirit so we can receive his righteousness and follow him. Yes. So good. It gives us the freedom and the privilege to follow Christ. It gives us freedom from sin. And more importantly, the veil over our hearts and over the word of God is lifted. God's glory is no longer hidden from us. It's inside us. It's so good. What does it look like? Application. What, kind, what does this kind of freedom look like if we go back to Moses in the tent of meeting in the presence of God removing the veil now? When we believers believe and trust Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. Verse 17 says the Lord is spirit, right? May we never forget that. Paul makes the connection here with the Lord of the tent of meeting, with the Holy Spirit that is present uh, within us. He's writing that our bodies are the new tents of meeting for the Spirit to reside. He's coming to meet with us right here. When the Spirit of the Lord comes to dwell in us, we are free from the veil. Amen. See, this is not the end, which it really would be if you look at it from the point standpoint of Moses, it's the means to an end. The purpose of the veil being removed is so much better. The Spirit comes, it frees us, and it helps us to behold, to literally behold the glory of God inside us. It opens our eyes to see the glory of God in every part of the Bible, which is such a gift, and now we will turn and shine that light. Shine the glory of God. This is not something that was unheard of to the Corinthians. Paul had written about it in the in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verses 7 to 13, he says, "But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory." But as it is written, we, we, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of who is fr- the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. This is not new. 
He's taught it to them before. He's basically referring to a secret type of wisdom that we are getting uh, from the Holy Spirit. Wisdom from God. None of the rulers can understand it, which is why they crucified our Lord and Savior. That's what he's saying in that verse. But we've received the Spirit of God from God that we might understand what was freely given to us. It's so deep, so profound. The Holy Spirit comes to the Christian, helps the Christian understand the hidden secrets of the glory of God. And it comes through every, every part of the Bible. It's so good. It is here in the Scriptures that we search the mind and heart of, and glory of God to find the one truth that frees us, the Gospel of Jesus. Now I'm not going to try to stand up here and tell you that the book of Leviticus is easy to read. Okay? Uh, or numbers, where you just literally are counting. Uh, but it's deeper than that, right? It's there for a purpose. And our task, our call is to, to seek to know. And God will reveal it if our heart is sincere. Luke 24, 26, 27, this is revealed. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he inter interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This is after he was crucified. This is now when he is in his last days before going up and sitting on the right hand of the throne of God. He appears in, fr in front of Cleopas and another unnamed follower of Jesus. He's been resurrected. That verse is just a piece of how he's literally opening their eyes with his glory, with his spirit. He's lifting the veil. Af after he leaves, he had to open their spiritual eyes for them to see who he really was. They didn't have any idea. It's through Jesus that we can see the new and better glory of God. Better than what that which pa passed by Moses in the cleft of the rock. It is here that Paul is clear that Jesus has now made us the new tent of meeting. The entirety of the whole Old Testament points to Jesus and his gospel. When we believe in Jesus Christ our Savior, the Holy Spirit washes over us and inside us, opening our eyes to allow us to see the glory of God in all Scripture. Our prayer should be what you can find in Psalm 119. Verses 17 to 19. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I'm a sojourner on the earth. Hide your commandments. Hide not your commandments from me. We go to verse 18. Here we see Paul speaking to amazing truths to the life of a follower of Christ. When we face the glory of God, we start to look like the glory of God. That's what he's saying. The veil's removed. We're transformed into the same image of the Holy Spirit. We now become what we perceive. That's awesome. Paul recalls Moses on Mount Sinai. He alludes to Moses' face becoming like God's glory. But remember, and this is such a good contrast for us to recall, is the fact that the glory only affected Moses' face. It didn't, it, it, it didn't exude from his entire body. Only his face became like God's glory. 
The shining of the glory of God on his face was only temporary. Paul says in verse 13, the glory in Moses' face is going to die out and be brought to an end. But for believers, that's different. The location is our whole selves. Our hearts and our minds are changed. Those that used to be hardened and darkened are now softened by the light of Christ. Amen. It has no end. We're changed forever. A radiating face cannot change who we are and what we do. But with a new heart, we are changed completely. It changes our entire outlook. Only that can happen when we turn to God. It's not outward. It's not cosmetic. It's internal. So how are we transformed Application point as we get to, to chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, We do not lose heart in the first verse. And then he goes into this discussion about what they were doing as they were preaching the message. We have not renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. As I said before, now when the, the veil is lifted, we can see glory of God and all through Scripture. The Holy Spirit frees us to see Jesus all throughout. We become like the moon and now the glory shines through us. Transformation is now underway. Interestingly, he refers to tampering with God's Word. And I don't think it's so much of a of a literal altering of God's Word. Uh, the word tamper in, in Scripture is, is a rarely used translation in the Bible. But most times, and in this particular case, it is speaking about the watering down of wine. It's making that point of reference. He's essentially saying that we can't co-mingle truth with falsehood. We can't dilute the power of Scripture. We have to ask ourselves, are we? Are we watering down the wine of Scripture when we don't see Christ in every part of Scripture? And aren't willing or desiring to go see it? Paul says, no way. We must do the same. He says he's not willing to do it. The message is we shouldn't either. We should be open and willing to seek the glory of God. So back to the question of how. Well, turning to Christ. Asking the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, to illuminate the Word of God. Reading, studying, meditating on His Word, searching for Christ in every part of it. And it literally will jump off the pages becomes a relationship as I said we become transformed by the Holy Spirit when we when we see this glory of Jesus in all of Scripture we see Jesus as the Passover lamb that saves us with his blood we see Jesus as the never excuse me the newer and better David who doesn't just kill a physical giant but Jesus who slays the entire notion of sin and death. 
We can behold his glory and we are changed. He opens the way for us to see the glory of God and behold it. And so what are we changed to? In 1 John 3, 1 through 3, it speaks. It writes, John writes, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But what we know, that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. When Jesus returns, we shall be like him. Have you thought about that for a second? Has it crossed your mind? We will become what we behold when we see Jesus. How awesome is that? And when he returns, we will take hold of him. Paul and John are essentially writing something very much similar. When we behold the glory of God, we'll be transformed into that same glory. We'll become like Jesus. It's an ongoing transformation, and that day will come, and we, and we will all be glorified. Our bodies will be glorified. The pain, the sickness, the anguish, the difficulties, it'll be gone. Verses 3 through 6, chapter 4, 3 through 6. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 6 is the, is, the, is the memory verse for the month. It's the foundational verse of this text today. We see there that there is a veil. Paul is referring to a veil that can only be removed by the Holy Spirit. And so we now have the freedom to see the glory of God through all, all of Scripture and to shine the glory in the light of, of the Lord, the light of the Gospel. And in so doing, we become changed. We become the glory of God. Not in some way that can be abused. Not in some way that we're tampering with God's Word. Every single thing should point to Jesus in Scripture and then the way we live. The words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts. And anything less would be putting the veil back. And Paul is very clear that we should not. Now what about those who read the Word but don't see Him? Right? There's many who pick it up and read it. But they're only seeing words on a page. Paul is clear. This is a harsh reality. Their minds are blinded by Satan. The veil remains over their eyes. The truth and uh, the electricity that comes out of the pages of the Bible is thwarted. The whole gospel message is not clear. The veil is in place and it prevents them from seeing Jesus. It's not because of certain sins that they may have 
taking part in, it's because they're blind. And it's from the enemy. There is a literal spiritual barrier that's over their eyes, their minds, their hearts. And unless it's removed, they can't know the glory of God. They can't even have faith in God. It's not possible. There's no message or act of, or service or, or some kind of argument or sermon that can change a person's heart. And this is so difficult for me. I don't know about you. Have you had the opportunity when you want to go and share the gospel message and you think you have some kind of power to, help, to make it happen? Go humbly. Because it's the Holy Spirit that does that. In verse 6, Paul writes that the same God who brought light into the world has shown light into our hearts to give us the light of Jesus and, and, and shine through us. To implant his spirit in us. He gave us the knowledge of Jesus. He revealed to us the glory of Jesus. He must reveal, excuse me, he must remove the veil. Only he can do that. It's only possible when we turn to Christ. That's how we see the light of the gospel. Now, can someone turn to God without the light of the gospel being shown on their hearts? In a word, no. And that's a, that's a tough reality as well. God is the one who's drawing you. He's the one who's going to do the illuminating. We have to remember that. As believers, when we're sharing the gospel, we're trying to, we need to walk humbly in the power of the Holy Spirit. Can someone have the veil removed without first turning towards God? No, also. See, we have this argument over sovereignty of God and man's free will and this balancing and but people must turn they must repent but god has to shine his light and draw them first for them to turn both are true both are necessary and we must, so what do we do what's our role what as believers to do what to pray for those people to pray for god pray for the spirit for the veil to be lifted that the gospel the light of the gospel will shine We must be bold, yes. We must be winsome. We must be caring and considerate. Worry about the log in our own eyes. And remember one thing. Really important. Grace at all times. You didn't get here by accident. It's from the grace of God. That's why we can see God's glory. That's how we became believers. We were drawn to it. Nothing that we did to deserve it. We're not any more special than anyone else. We are deeply loved by the creator of all things. God was gracious. He drew us closer. He moved in us. We turned toward the light. So be thankful. Be joyful. Be glad. Rejoice in the fact that the grace of God has put you where you are. And keep going. Run to Scripture every day to see the light of Christ. Last point. We know that Moses wanted to see the glory of God on Mount Sinai. But that the, such a vision, the entirety of that vision would have killed him. 
and that God only allowed him to see the glory in the backside of the cleft in the rock. And then that was when the veil was put into place. There was much more that could have been shown to Moses, but was not. In Christ, we get much more. We get to see what Moses was refused. We get to see the face of God in the person of Jesus. One day we will see God's face in Jesus Christ. We will behold the fullness of God's glory. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. Even now when we get small glimpses of the glory of God in the Bible, in relationships with other believers, I hope that each day going forward is one in which you seek to see the final day when we will stand before Jesus and see him face to face. Behold that Jesus is in all of Scripture. Seek to become like him in life. Live expectantly in faith. Wait patiently for when he returns and shine the light of the gospel in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.